Cat Disgusted is a show about veterinary nursing. It is not a show about how to cure your sick pet. If your animal is sick, take it to the vet. Don't be a crazy person and use a podcast to cure your puking cat, dog, chinchilla, etc., etc. I think they would tell you the same thing. If they could. Mm, which they can't. Which makes it hard. You know what's up. Take them to the vet. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Cat Disgusted, a podcast for veterinary technicians and the people and animals who love them. Each episode, we explore the best of times and the worst of times in veterinary nursing. I'm your host, Nicole Dickerson. I'm an RVT working in emergency and critical care. And this is what happens. Hi. Been a cool minute since I've been up on here, huh? Well, welcome to 2018, everybody. This is the 30th episode of Cat Disgusted, which I feel like deserves its own little celebration in a way. Oh, and I redid the intro. Did you notice? Um, it's a song called Marble Soda by Sean Wasabi. And uh, I thought, it I don't know, I just sounded like, I don't know, it sounded like a Cat Disgusted type of song. So uh, yeah, new intro. Let me know what you think. Uh, I'm curious as to as to how you think uh, that one is. I thought, new year, new song. So there you go. So where have I been? There's been a lot going on in my world in the last couple months. I'm sure like with everybody because you know holidays are always mad crazy time but um, what I have been doing I've been focusing on completing my VTS application. Now I may have mentioned this before I can't I maybe have glossed over the the torture that my life has been making this application over the last year but uh, what this is so VTS stands for veterinary technician specialist and what that is is it's somebody who uh, specializes in us in one of a couple fields in veterinary medicine and the one that I'm going towards is emergency and critical care so it's actually six letters VTS ECC um, there's one for oncology there's one for internal medicine there's one for dentistry I think recently there's one for feline behavior which I think is pretty great uh, or at least feline oriented medicine a valid specialty for those of us who have um, aliens in our homes otherwise known as cats uh, so the process of making this application is pretty intense. Like it's a year long, it has to be a year. It has to be within a calendar year. So it's not like you can start working on it. Like, you know, when you start your career and then finish it up 10 years later, it has to be, uh, all within a calendar year. Um, the idea is you are going to track your cases and what you do for each one of those cases so that you kind of amass this documented set of skills, um, documented set of a variety of cases that you saw that are relevant to the field that you want to specialize in. So for me, for emergency, I had to log 75 cases and that's all in 75 animals, um, mammals, uh, dogs, cats. I had a couple rabbits in there and talk about what I did, how many things we did, what the diagnosis was, what the outcome was, date, uh, patient number, age, weight. Uh, that's basically all the things that had to be there, like a little paragraph on each one of those. And then 
out of those 75, I had to pluck out four that were super interesting and write um, a full case report, which was five pages. That's the limit. I actually found it difficult being as verbose as I am to be limited to five pages. So uh, I also had to have a skills list of about, I think it was 28 to 30 skills that veterinarians sign off that I can do, like um, IV catheters, central lines, urinary catheters, blood pressures, invasive blood pressures versus non-invasive blood pressures, um, arterial blood draws, Uh, A bunch of stuff that we don't really do, like abdominal lavage, diagnostic abdominal lavage, which we don't really do anymore. Uh, So you can kind of, they give you this big old list and then you're supposed to get like 28 or 29 of those. Uh, I have to send them my CE. Are you bored yet, by the way? Am I boring you? Because this has been my life for the last year. Anyway, um, it's a lot of stuff. It's like basically everything. You sign it in blood. You send it to them. Um, and then they this uh, the board says, yay or nay. Yay is you get to take a big, scary-ass test at the emergency uh, veterinary conference in New Orleans in September. Hooray! And I've heard horrible things about that test. It's got a really low pass rate. Oh, it's supposed to be as hard as the DVM exam. <laughs> awesome. Um, so that's a good thing. Uh, if they don't accept your application, then you can apply the next year. So I sent in that application. Done. Uh, it was very hard. It was a lot of work, and I really hope they accept it. Uh, my, my good friend Alexis reminded me that like, either way, your life is going to be hell for the next year. It's like either they don't accept it and you have to start over or you do, they do accept it and you got to study for this big, scary ass test. So either way, it sucks for you. I'm like, thanks. But you know, it's, it, it, there, there are things to be gained from this. Uh, you do, um, you do gain a lot of knowledge when you're working on that application, just from the sheer number of cases you're writing about. And of course the case reports, you have to write so much about what was going on and what you did and why uh, discuss the conditions that the animals had uh, so it's it, it you do gain there is gain in doing that application for your brain now uh, as far as monetarily you know veterinary technician specialists should be paid more money are they paid more money kind of sometimes there's no guarantee for that um you get some extra letters after your name and for me it kind of is like career development you know I had no reason not to do it because I was seeing the cases I'm doing the work you know so I figured like well this makes sense like this is like the next thing that I should do so what's funny too is that I get to add all the letters after my name if this all happens so then I'll be Nicole Dickerson RVTVTSECC and some people get really obnoxious and add like their bachelor's degree too so then it's Nicole Dickerson BARVTVTSECC <laughs> so maybe I'll just do that just for fun. Um, it does mean I get to, I could lecture at these conferences. Um, there's the IVEX conference. Oh God, I'm going to forget what that acronym is. It's like International Veterinary Emergency and Critical Care Conference, I think. Um, and you can lecture there and talk about your case studies and about um, various conditions you're interested in and they pay you and stuff. So that's cool. Um, like if y'all like the podcast, maybe a bunch of vets and vet techs in a room are going to like doing a PowerPoint presentation with me and talking about that. So that's a thing. Um, I've moved hospitals. That's the other thing. So I'm working for the same company, but I moved to a different site. Uh, one where there is uh, a criticalist working. And I know I've talked about criticalists before. They are veterinarians who are 
specialists in emergency and critical care and they're boarded in it. Like they take a big scary test themselves. And so there's one of those guys working down um, in the hospital I'm in now, which is awesome for me uh, doing this big application and hopefully test. Uh, it's a bigger hospital. It's new. It's like all Grey's Anatomy up in there. Like I always feel like I'm a little scruffy to be in there. Like everything's all new and shiny. I get lost in there still, even though I've been there about three weeks. Uh, so that's been a, that's been a big, big decision in my world to kind of leave the team I was at and go on to this new team. Uh, I feel like, you know, being a veterinary technician is like going to war. It's like, you know, your homies are your, that's your strength, you know, is the team that you work with. And so it's always a difficult transition to go from one to another where you meet new people and you have to gain their trust and you have to trust them. So it's a bit of a it's a it's a bit of a journey that I've been on for the last couple months with that. But I think it's been a good move for me and I'm I'm still you know I'm still getting used to it. I'm still exploring what it's going to what my role in that new hospital will be, but it's been challenging and that's great. Uh, and the people are wonderful and I'll have a whole amass a whole new set of stories for y'all from that place, I'm sure. And of course, the last thing that's been kind of occupying all of our time is the holidays. Uh, my brother was in town with his crazy boys, which is awesome because I get to be the cool auntie all day long. And then I had to work for uh, Thanksgiving and um, I got really lucky this year and I didn't have to work Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but th- they were bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S on either end of that holiday. Like my la- the day, the night before Christmas Eve was freaking blowing up in our emergency room because everybody waits till the last minute and they're like oh family's coming tomorrow and this cat's still barfing let's just take him to the hospital oh my god speaking of barfing hashtag chocolate barf festival because that is totally what it was totes on december 23rd fa la 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 we had five back-to-back chocolate dogs that all had to barf chocolate barf fountain um, two of them we had to keep in the hospital because their heart rates were really, really high because they'd eaten a lot of dark chocolate. Um, and they had to stay in the hospital on IV fluids with an ECG attached to them so we could watch their heart rate. So that was fun. Um, you know, and I feel like it is pertinent in 2018, speaking of vomit, um, to talk a little bit about uh, probably the one of the grossest barf moments of the year that happened at the end of my uh, the end of my tenure at my old what is now my my old hospital right right before the holidays began um marijuana has now become recreationally legal in California for those of you out of state um who are listening to this who the hell would that be <laughs> who are you to let me know um yeah so weed's legal y'all so I think that what that's going to be in 2018, we are going to be seeing a lot of weed dogs, hella weed dogs. I mean, we see a lot of weed dogs anyway, being in the Bay Area. But now I feel like it's just like the lid's just going to blow off. This particular dog that I'm thinking of that ended my 2017 was a, a little dachshund uh, mix thing. So he's pretty low to the ground. And he was with his people in downtown Oakland. And I think where they were, I think it was like Broadway 19th, something like that, downtown Oakland, like, you know, not, not the prettiest part of Oakland. And they saw their dog, these two owners, they had the two owners, two dogs, and they were both dachshund mixes, but one of them's a troublemaker. Um, the troublemaker, they saw him eat human feces 
off the ground. How did they know it was human feces? They live in downtown Oakland. That's how. Um, they were pretty certain that's what it was. So they were unable to prevent it, apparently. He just like shimmied over and sucked up a little bit of this human feces on the street. And then he got a little weird. So they said maybe like not even half an hour later, um, he was kind of stumbling a little bit. He looked a little sleepy. He was really flinchy. Um, when I when we when I triage this dog in our lobby of the emergency room, uh, he had what I call the weekend at Bernie's face on, where he's just a little bit a little bobbly, just a little bobble heady eyes are a little half closed. Um, he was dribbling urine. Um, he, flinchy is often what the owners describe when uh, these guys are experiencing this. But yeah, absolutely. Like you put your hand near his face and he's like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, what the, what? <laughs> so uh, that's weed. So the the working theory is that this dog, when he ate the human feces, had eaten some undigested marijuana edible that was in that feces and then affected him. <laughs> so I know we've talked about weed toxicity in dogs before, THC uh, toxicity in dogs before. A couple of the hallmarks that we see are, well, the weekend of Bernie's face. That's a big one for me. Um, they can be a little bit cold. So when we take their temperature, it'll be, be a little bit below normal. Like dogs are like 99.5 to 102.5. So it'll be like 98-ish. Um, their heart rate can be very slow, even though they're a small dog, their heart rate can be slow. Um, their blood pressure can be low. Um, the word for the flinching that we use is hyperesthetic. So like they're, they're super sensitive to movement, especially near their face. Um, dribbling urine, that's a big one. And then ataxia, like not being able to keep their balance quite right. You know, they're just a little drunk girl at the party. Um, this is not fun for them. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and put that out there. This is not a good time for Poochie because um, they don't know what's going on. It's not like they chose to be all faded. Like they, it's, it's happening beyond their control and you can't explain it to them. So it's not fun for them. Now we should talk about weed just a little bit. We'll, we'll do a little review, little review. So uh, you have receptors in your brain, humans, we, uh, have receptors in our brain that are called cannabinoid receptors. How about that? Um, so do dogs. Dogs also have cannabinoid receptors. Um, in fact, dogs have more receptors in their brain, which is why when they get exposed to marijuana, they are so faded. Um, to very small amounts will like really screw them up, especially if they're tiny dogs. So now there's two like main chemicals that we get, that we kind of reference in in marijuana. There's what you this is a popular thing you probably heard CBDs. Um, CBDs are cannabidi cannabidiol. Am I saying that right? Cannabidiol. Um, that's the chemical that doesn't make you high, but they have found in humans can um, help with back pain, can help with uh, chronic pain of any kind, actually, can help with um, uh, insomnia. And so 
The other chemical that, oh, and, and CBDs don't make you high. That's the other thing. They don't make you high. Oh, this is also like, I think they found that it helps with seizure control in very young children, um, like children who are, have brain disorders where they're having like near constant seizures. If they have CBD oil, um, that can actually help break those cycles. Now, the, the one that makes you high, the chemical that makes you high is tetrahydrocannabinol tetrahydrocannabinol. And what that is, is THC. That's what fucks you up. So now that's the one that makes <laughs> makes you hungry, makes your eyes red, a little squinty. That's the one that makes you faded. So that's what these poor dogs are experiencing. Now, the medical applications of both of these things are absolutely something um, that I have to acknowledge in this podcast. Now, it's tricky to research because marijuana is still a schedule one drug, which means it's federally illegal. Um, so it's really hard to get studies done on people, let alone animals. So there is still like, there's anecdotal things going on about CBD use in, in dogs and cats, but dude, talk to your vet, talk to them because they're, it's all hearsay it's all speculation i mean there's probably some people who are listening to this who are like my dog's been blah, blah, blah. okay awesome great talk to your vet do it with a veterinarian because you don't want to get him faded like poor mr dachshund who ate the feces off of the streets of downtown oakland so what did we do with this poor dog um first of all it had happened fairly recently so the vet i was working with wanted to make the dog barf oh so uh there's a drug called apomorphine talked about that before it's morphine with all the fun sucked out of it we give it in intravenously in a vein and it makes him barf right away so it was a busy day in emergency i think this was on a saturday and so i had to go grab someone from another another department to help me give this injection to make this human poop eating dog barf the edible marijuana, human poop. So, um, the person that I found happened to be, um, our head nurse for oncology. Um, she's wonderful. Uh, her name is Kim and she's always very willing to help. And so I grabbed her and I had the dog with me and I was like, can you help me give this injection? And she's like, yeah, sure. What is it? And I told her, oh, it's apomorphine. This dog has eaten some human feces off the streets of Oakland that contained marijuana. And she was like, oh my, what? And intrigued by this story. So uh, she gives the injection. I was like, you may not want to hang out. This is probably going to be really, she's like, oh yeah, let's just see what happens. Oh, emergency. Woohoo. So she gives this, uh, the apomorphine injection and the poor dog, I have to kind of like sit him up straight because he's just faded, just rocking back and forth. And it's not even like one of those like barfs where it's like fast and like done and over with right away. Like he basically lets out a small burp to start. And then he kind of smacks his lips, which means his mouth open and closes a little bit. And that small burp starts to kind of permeate the space around us. And Kim is like, oh my, mm, 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 and runs out of the room. Because I'm sure that you can take a guess as to what that small burp smelled like. And then when he barfs, man, it's just like this dribbling, brownish, Oh my God. It was so foul, dude. And like, not like high volume and, and kind of slow, like drib, dribble and unmistakable, unmistakable what that vomit was. And I feel like also 
amongst the soup of that odor was unmistakable what that person had eaten beforehand. Like it, yeah, weed, yeah, yes, absolutely, 100% in amongst the rest of the colorful odors of that dog's barf. Yeah, that cleared the room, man, cleared the room. Poor Poochie. Uh, So he luckily didn't have to stay uh, in the hospital. We were all rather elated that he didn't have to stay in the hospital with that funky breath. Um, He got some subcutaneous fluids. He was awake enough to get some charcoal. And actually, I mean, he he kind of was waking up throughout his time at the hospital. Like he, you know, his he went he barfed. He got the rest of that nastiness out of his system. Um, He started to walk a little bit better. He was a little bit brighter. Still dribbling urine though. Like I feel like he just left a trail. Like wherever he was, you could tell like where that dog had been by the trail of pee. So luckily, Poochie went home um, to give his parents charcoal dog lip kisses. And it is with that image of the sobering dachshund trailing urine towards his owners in the lobby of the emergency area that I shall leave you. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, as always. I'm sorry it was a big old space between uh, episode 29 and 30, but hey, we made it to 30. And uh, I'm hoping the new year brings awesome things to all of you. It's definitely shaping up to be pretty awesome for me. I hope, I pray, cross your fingers, B-T-S-E-C-C-B-A-R-B-T. And I'll see you the next time. And I sincerely hope that in 2018 that you don't have to come and see me at work. Bye, everybody. You will